1: Hello and welcome to Demand Jam Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Joni Wang, Director of Marketing at Expensify. Since joining in 2014, Joni has helped grow Expensify into the most recognizable expense management platform in the space, spearheading the launch of some of the company's biggest marketing initiatives. She has been named one of the top women leaders in SaaS and one of the accounting industry's top 20 influencers under 40. On this episode, Joni discusses how Expensify's relentless focus on end-user experience turns customers into devoted champions of the product, how they work to cultivate a positive brand experience in every consumer interaction, and the process of launching their massively successful Super Bowl ad campaign. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor.
2: Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com. If you are a B2B marketer who has always dreamed of knowing when a qualified prospect is on your site... And being able to talk to them instantly. Now you can. Learn more at qualified.com.
1: And now please enjoy this interview between Joni Wang, Director of Marketing at Expensify, and your host, Ian Faison.
0: Welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios and host of Demand Gen Visionaries. And today I am joined by special guest, Joni. How are you?
2: Hi, Ian. I'm good. Thanks for asking. How are you?
0: You know, it's a great day to be talking about DemandGen, and uh, we're going to get into it about everything that you're doing at Expensify, some really cool stuff, and, uh, and a little bit about your background. So, what was your first job in DemandGen?
2: So, my first job in DemandGen was I was a partnership development manager at a nonprofit that ran leadership. You know, development curriculum for middle and high school kids. So it's super different than selling expense reports. But our clients were mostly like international schools. And so it looked very different than what we're doing today. A lot of the demand gen was focused on middle of the funnel. And so, you know, that looked like relationship nurturing, events, making sure that uh, our leads were engaged more from a content perspective and from an events perspective through in person events. And so a lot of it also involved like cross-selling across different like schools and their networks and kind of going through that word of mouth route versus traditional online technology advertising and so because the teacher network was quite tight knit at international schools my specific territory was in the china region we had you know teachers going from different schools every couple of years and so it actually was a really interesting exercise in how we would get teachers who are interested in putting our programs out and how do we then spread from that one node to across like many teachers and many instructors in each school. And yeah, and I think that through that experience, it was, even though it was quite different than what I do now, I think it really influenced the way that I see demand gen and, um, you know, how partnerships between marketing, business development, and even honestly a little bit of sales kind of all contribute to ensuring that you have like the best process and funnel in order to take leads through that.
0: So flash forward to today, tell us a little bit about Expensify and uh, what it means to be the director of marketing.
2: So Expensify is a expense management software. And what we do is help you get your money back. We're used by over you know, 8 million people worldwide with over 100,000 companies. And we support businesses, you know, from the sole entrepreneur to Fortune 500 companies. You know, everyone kind of has expenses and chances are at some point in your career, you'll be asked by your company to front some money for one reason or another. You It could be from a personal or professional development perspective, like going to a conference, speaking engagements, so on and so forth, or part of your job, like whether that's in sales or office management. And um, what we do is just simplify that process of getting your money back because not all companies provide corporate cards. And even if they do, the process is really difficult in terms of documenting and proving that you did, in fact, spend the money that you claimed that you did so that you can get reimbursed. So my role at Expensify really kind of encompasses the entire gamut. And we focus a lot of our efforts on accelerating our word of mouth model. And what that means is that historically, we've been very end user centric in how we build out our product and who we want our ultimate, like who our ultimate consumers are. There's a lot of similar apps out there that focus on, you know, the person buying the software, not necessarily a person using it. And so what we realized is that when you focus on the end user experience, you know, whether that's a salesperson, whether that's an HR, office manager, uh, marketing, etc., um, they really become like huge champions of your product because expense, again expense management is such a pain for almost everyone, especially when you're doing it by pen and paper or by excel and so what we 've noticed early on is that when one person gets so when someone gets so frustrated with their expense process, it gets to a point there's a breaking point when they just need to seek out something for themselves even if it's not something their company does and so in that way we kind of straddled the um, even though we're technically a b2b product we kind of straddle the b2c b2b like gray area because we can sell to individual employees if if that's the route that they take when their company is not supporting easier cleaner process for them
0: as someone who truly hated expense reports more than anything um boy i really loathed it so i am super happy that that uh, is around cuz it was it was always the worst thing Let's get into our first segment, the trust tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree with, in the nest, are we not? This is where you can go to feel honest, honest, honored, trusted, and you can share those deepest, darkest demand gen secrets. Joni, what would you say your demand gen strategy is?
2: I think at the heart of it, Demand Gen Expensify is, you know, essentially a partnership between marketing, business development and sales. And so we focus our efforts on entering and growing new markets, again, by accelerating that word of mouth business model. And it's been the heart and soul of our business since day one. And it's something that's been really effective for us in, in terms of how we've grown. And up until actually our Super Bowl campaign in 2019, we did zero traditional like outward bound marketing or demand gen um, and we really focused on experiences more closer to like the middle of the funnel through events uh, and you know developing our champions and building them out. Uh, we really believe that one of the keys to our you know strategy is building out these champions out of our users, out of people who you know we've been able to help solve their pain points. Um, they do the talking and we help them tell their story. Because you know, as we all know, stories and these kinds of changes are more effective when you have someone else telling you how great Expensify is versus someone from Expensify telling you that. Because of course, we're going to tell you that we're awesome, and so our product ph- and that kind of ties into our product philosophy at the end of the day, which is always to make sure that our product is always user focused and solves that user's problems. Yeah, and I guess like specifically, we focused a lot on, you know, creating experiences, whether that's at trade shows, whether that's in product, whether that is, um, you know, at one point we had a partner summit where we had an all expense paid trip for all our our top 100 partners to Maui. And then when we did it the second year, we did, we took everyone to Bora Bora and like creating these experiences that are memorable, everlasting so that people not only believe in your product and uh, love it, but become champions of it.
0: I love that approach, and we're gonna we're gonna dive super deep into that today, uh, into how to accelerate word of mouth. What does your org structure look like? How do you do demand gen, and where does it fit within the organization and and the team?
2: So, Expensify is very flat. Essentially, we have our CEO and a group of directors, and then literally everyone else. And so. In general, we, uh, you know, when you get when you join the company and you're hired in, you have a general function, um, whether that's sales, marketing, engineering, design, etc. But really, there's a lot of blending in terms of what people can do, how people propose problems and solutions, and and as a result, what kinds of problems individuals attack. And so we have like a huge team culture of generalization. And what we really focus on is what we call our two golden rules: Get done and don't ruin it for everyone else and essentially, these are the two main rules that we govern by, and we've been able to be pretty we've been pretty successful in terms of being able to maintain this flatness by kind of creating a atmosphere of like accountability and self-drive almost uh, versus top down management structures
0: and so you have Millions of happy campers, uh, as you'd say, on the platform. Who are your, you know, ideal customers? Who's buying your product and using your product?
2: Yeah, Uh, is it kind of a cop out to say that everyone is a potential customer? But we really do see that, uh, you know, technically everyone is a potential customer. You know, that's why we focus on this word of mouth concept because we want to amplify like the network effect of individuals. And so when we think about who can buy expense buy, like definitely people who are in charge of finance departments, accountants tend to be the buyers. But at the same time, um, individuals can also opt in and use our product for free. And so what we see is when you get very, very, Frustrated with your current uh, expense management process, someone can will you know go search for it on our own. We live in a generation where, if we hate the current processes, there's always we're always just a Google away from a new product or uh, tool that can help us be more efficient, be more streamlined, more organized. And so we really focus on um, figuring out where those specific individuals lie, where and where our product can help them in the process they're at. And we make it easy for them to share this with their, you know, share this with their administrator, share this with their friends and share this with their colleagues in order to kind of, you know, plant the seed from bottom up.
0: So, you know, when you're saying that you have Ian as as CEO of Caspian, you know, I could go on the platform and, uh, Get started right away, or you know someone up to an enterprise level with you know five thousand employees, so like anywhere in between right
2: yeah, our customers you know range from a solo entrepreneur or someone who just maybe opened uh, just started their business and they just need to track of what keep track of what they're spending to you know fortune five hundred companies and we have a lot of our company our customers you know started with us when they were smaller, and they'll grow with us as their company grows. And we are able to fit fit their needs as well because we're able to accommodate both small and large customers. And so I would say that the way that our bottom-up adoption model works is uh, say that you, whether you're an individual or a contractor or an employee at a company, if you use Expensify and submit your expense report through Expensify, then your admin will get a notification saying like, hey, uh, you have this expense report to approve through Expensify. Do you wanna do, you wanna do that? <laughs> and what we've seen in the past is that actually what will happen is a ton of people will end up emailing, using Expensify, emailing their administrator. And at some point the administrator will say, wow, like I'm getting a lot of requests through this thing called Expensify. Maybe I should reach out and see what it is that they're offering as a service and how I can use them because our employees seem to be using it a ton. And this is actually the organic model that we've been able to harness in order to grow up to the millions of users that we've had up to today. And it's been really effective as a, you know, a people first type of movement because as we're, as we all know, like, the, the world that we live in is very different than four or five years ago when you are kind of beholden to what your company asks you to do and what the rules that they set. I think now more than ever, there's a lot of employee say and an employee uh, power in determining what, how you want to be effective, what tools you want to use, and in order to do your job well.
0: Yeah, totally, and I think that you know there's a transparency aspect, obviously, to this stuff too. Where I I just don't think people collectively or corporations didn't realize the amount of like personal time or or work time that people were putting towards their expenses. uh, You know, putting expense expense reports together, and either way, it's it's really bad for employee productivity.
2: Absolutely, I mean, I found Expensify because I, you know, at that nonprofit I was working at, we literally set all of us in the office, which was maybe five or six of us, and we would literally set the last day of the month as just expense management day. And we would all, you know, get together, fill out that spreadsheet, we'd print it out, we'd you know, triple check that against our budget. We would um dig up all the receipts and hope that we didn't lose any of them, staple it to the back of the Excel sheet that's been printed out, and then submit it. And all of that would take, you know, collectively between five people, that's about 40 hours, right? In an eight hour workday. And which is insane because it should not take that long (laughs) for, to do something as simple as, you know, sending in your receipts to your administrator. And so anyways, that's how I found Expensify. And so I definitely feel the burdens and difficulties and stress of having to, you know, spend Oftentimes, like weekends, figuring this stuff out because you just don't have enough time in the workday to address it.
0: And obviously, you know, you all have a product at a price point, which is something that, you know, anyone could swipe their credit card and purchase it for their, you know, their small to medium business and kind of just. Do with that uh that extra time for the rest of their life, which I assume is much more valuable than the uh, you know than something like five bucks a month uh, you know if if you're if you're running business and you know and same thing down the line so as folks as you have the solo entrepreneur or the fortune you know five hundred executive or you know whoever the customer is, how do you look at prioritizing those folks to be evangelists, to expand their stories, get them out in front of new people? Like, do you look at things, um, you know, in a certain way to try to accelerate word of mouth?
2: Yeah, I think what we really look for at the heart of it is customers and users who really want to simplify their processes, right? We have a point of view on what the easiest way to do your expenses are, and that's what we've built out, right? And it's not just us building it because we think it's the best, but this is through talking with users, talking with customers, talking with people wishing, you know, about their processes and what they are frustrated with. And so, um, what we really look for is people who kind of embrace this mentality of like, you know, I am not doing right. I may have all these processes and um, things put in place, but that, but I actually don't know why I'm doing all of this stuff, right? And so we really, when we are able to find a uh, accountant or an admin or someone who really understands this principle and is really um, open to trying a lot of, uh, like using technology as a way to cure these inefficiencies or to solve these inefficiencies, those are the people that I think really become large advocates of our products. Like we are at one of our, our second expense Account in Bora Bora, we invited one of our users, admins, who at the time he worked uh, in Idaho for the state and I think state or the Farm Bureau, I think that's what it was. And he was probably one of our biggest advocates. You know, I'm saying, I'm talking about like, he's on Twitter answering our questions. He's in our forums, like helping other users that is not the kind of excitement or loyalty we you can cultivate unless someone really, really believes that uh, your product is solving, like truly trying to solve the problems of their users. And I think for a lot of other folks in our space, when you focus on you know enterprise, for example, that is not always the end result because you tend to focus on building and supporting the administrators rather than the individual end users who are um actually using the product day to day.
0: Well yeah, and if you don't have um, you know, a motion that is catered towards those folks, you know, if you don't have a sales organization that's catered to those folks, or a lack of a sales organization that's that way. I'm curious, like, how does sales work? Obviously, you know, for our listeners, you can just go to use.expensify.com to check out all of the collateral that they have. And so, you know, you can just get started super quickly on the platform. I'd imagine that you have a pretty interesting uh, sales marketing alignment, for lack of a better term.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think our sales team is probably not the traditional outbound sales that many teams have. And what we've been fortunate enough to have is a constant influx of inbound leads, right? And people who are interested in Expensify who organically go download the app on their own. And so we built our sales team to help guide them through the process of getting set up, whether that's for themselves or for their Large company, or for their clients, if they were an accountant, for example, and we've really focused all our efforts on uh, our sales team on this. And so that's not to say we don't have enterprise sales; like we'll always we'll get um, large companies writing in asking us, and we'll you know walk them through that process as well. But the majority of the people who are using Spensify and are interested are small to medium sized businesses, and they're the ones who end up growing with us and find us at that stage in their in their business cycle or business growth cycle. Um, and so yeah, I think our relationship with sales is that we work pretty closely. We again we're a pretty generalized team. And so what that means is, you know, sometimes we'll have salespeople coming up with really cool marketing ideas um, in order to keep in users engaged and keep them coming back and using our app every time you know they they have an expense. And it's a lot of it is about forming habits and making sure that Our users are having the right habits so that, you know, at the end of the month, if they have an expense report to submit, all they have to do is look over all the pictures of their receipts that they took and submit it uh, and just press send. And so our sales team is, you know, early on in my career, I worked much more closely from a traditional perspective with our sales team, creating collateral and um, helping with demos, webinars, trade shows, and things like that, and they're all stuff we still do now. But I think more and more, we are our sales team is really focused on this uh, helping with the onboarding process.
0: Yeah, that's really fascinating. And like you said, you know, the enterprise, you know, motion is something that switching, you know, a 5,000 person company is obviously going to be different, but it's still kind of the same mindset, right? It's like helping people get on the platform rather than trying to like, you know, have a a hard sell to to sign the dotted line.
2: Yeah, absolutely. One thing that we really look for almost is like an alignment of values to some extent. Um, And what I mean by that is, you know, are we both trying to achieve the same goal? of helping out your employees uh, and maximize that efficiency, right? Like we wholeheartedly believe that expense management is not something you should be spending a ton of time on. And we built our product in hopes that people actually won't use the app as much as possible because because we think that you should spend your time on other things, more important things, growing the business, talking to clients, launching that campaign and so forth. And so if we are in alignment from a values perspective of, you know, solving these issues and being open and communicative about what the actual needs are, then it ends up being like a very easy and natural process from a sales standpoint.
0: Okay, let's go to the playbook.
2: This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello?
1: You play to win the game.
0: The playbook is where we open up the playbook to talk about the tactics that help you win What are three channels or tactics that are your uncuttable budget items?
2: I think for us, like we, you know, I recognize that brand is often sometimes the opposite of demand gen to some extent, but I do think that it is a very important factor, uh, at least from a top of funnel perspective to kind of stir that initial interest to create that initial awareness about our product. And so we go one further and the, the budget, I think, item that I think is uncuttable is this idea of creating experience, right? And so this budget is really setting the foundation for a lot of the demand gen work that we'll do later on. And so anytime you come across Expensify, what does that experience look like, right? Again, when we amplify like our champions and uh, spread through word of mouth, we focus we make sure that we have a lot of good content. You know, We make sure that whether it's on a review site, whether that's when you're looking at Googling something about us, that everything that you come across is a positive experience. And what that kind of looks like is, for example, um, so in 2019, we launched our first major advertising campaign, and it was uh, for the Super Bowl. And what we set out to do, I think there was a lot of ways that you can argue where you can go with this, and but what we set out to do is not only provide the high level, you know, brand perspective. Obviously, for Super Bowl, it has to be a brand play, but we also coupled that with in product experience, right? We created a music video that had expensable items in there, and so we taught people how to use Expensify, essentially through the guise of this contest and. Uh, that we ran through this super dope <laughs> music video that we created as part of the campaign. And so even though if that was your first time interacting with us, it wasn't just a, oh, cool, I saw the commercial. There was an actual interactive moment, an experience that we were bringing to the customer. And I think that that is super important, whether it's on a high level or like a, a high spend perspective like the Super Bowl, or if it's just when we go to a trade show, you know, what are we doing? how are we extending that experience to the uh, prospects and the people that we meet at that experience, right? What kind of events? We often host like extra events or like, you know, table side chats, networking events, things like that to help facilitate those uh, interactions and transactions so that it's not just the product we're selling, but it's the community, the experience, and the environment. And I would say the second one sort of tied to that and tied to product as well is like, a budget for surprise and delight tactics, right? If we can get people excited about our product, they'll talk about it. So, um, what does that look like? Uh, we, for, from a demand gen perspective, um, we, you know, we recently launched this initiative called Swipe to Win. And so, every time you use the by corporate card or credit card, every time you swipe, you're entered for a chance to win uh, like a surprise and delight gift that you can choose to send to someone that you love or someone who needs a pick me up, um, someone. Etc. And so we call that a demand gen tactic because it might not feel like that because we're rewarding current users, but the the initiative is to gift it to someone else so that it can make their day. And as a result, their first experience is a positive one with Expensify, right? So that later down the road, when when they want um, or need an expense management software or card or whatever, uh, there will be someone that they think about first. And so that's kind of a mash between content and experience. But, you know, for us, we call that, yeah, we call that surprise and delight tactics. And I think the last one is, um, I guess I would say, you know, along those lines is like trade shows. You know, we have really built our brand and as well as our customer base through a lot of trade shows that we've been fortunate enough to develop a community in. And it's something that we believe that we'll always you know, be a part of. And so to constantly go back every year and to continue to nurture, continue to nurture those relationships is something that's super important to us.
0: That is so different. uh, And it is a total different kind of way of thinking, you know, jumping back to the to the Super Bowl ad. Obviously, this is something you always hear about, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the CMO, you know, sits down and says, like, or the CEO, and it's like, this is the year we're finally gonna do a a, a Super Bowl ad. You know, obviously you all had, had a different take on it. The idea of like bigger kind of large brand versus the smaller surprise and delight, you know, activities is a huge difference as a marketer, right? It's like, you know, almost a different muscle that you're flexing there. How do you think about, you know, going between those two types of campaigns?
2: I think it's all about trying to pinpoint Down what the exact problem you're trying to solve is, and from that, you're able to pick from your arsenal of tools and experience and um, tactics of what the best experience is. And oftentimes, I think people assume that you have to do something crazy and large like the Super Bowl, but you know, we didn't do that until 10 years after we were founded. And prior to that, we had been focused on these small, thoughtful um, executions of more thoughtful marketing tactics.
0: You know, specifically the the Super Bowl, there's a reason why it is the best show in town is because it has the most, uh, most people watching and talking about it and driving word of mouth. And it's like you said, you can sell to anyone that is either doing expense reports themselves or if their company is. So it makes sense to have, you know, a broad appeal. However, you know, you can't do that every week you know, or every day, or something like that. So you do have to be a little more selective with how you do that, and what a better way than the Super Bowl, right?
2: Absolutely, and I think it's a mixture of you know where is your current your company at currently, what are your capabilities, and um, you know that includes things like budget, sure, but in terms of your product and kind of making sure that you are aligning that with the right audience right so sometimes that right audience is just a small group of people who are super enthusiastic about your product who already know you and you want to you know cultivate those relationships more and sometimes you scale that up and you're like hey actually what i want to do now is focus on getting more of the word out about expensify and how we can help make people's lives better and so it's really like a combination of various things but especially those two to make sure that we're hitting the right channels at the right time. How did it go? Honestly, it went great. Like, I think it's kind of funny because we're not a traditional company in many ways. And one of the most interesting things going into the Super Bowl campaign was that a lot of our partners constantly asked us, you know, what are your KPIs? How can we make sure we're delivering the value that you hired us for, you know, like from our design agencies to our ad agencies and so on and so forth. And it's it was a funny question because we picked the Super Bowl because we knew that it was a moment in culture that everyone is paying attention to, right? So in terms of meeting the audience where they are, that was kind of our moment. We're like, you know what? Everyone's paying attention. In fact, people are always on the lookout for commercials. So why don't we you know, start big, right? We could have started with local commercials. We could have started with radio. But in those instances, like, nobody cares. Nobody, everyone's trying to listen to whatever content that they're focused on versus the actual commercials and ads themselves. So when we thought about where we wanted to meet our audience, we're like, well, we want a super large audience who's super receptive to this kind of brand plan, sort of this messaging. And we want to meet them where they are. And I think that, um, In addition to that, like, so when we went in, we were like, okay, what everyone's asking us about KPIs, what should we do? We're like, actually, you know, the only things that we care about here, uh, we whittled down to two. I think the first is that we wanted to make something that our team was super proud of. You know, it was just as much of a company, you know, morale thing as it was a business making venture. And the second one was earned media. So you know, rather than set a specific number, you know, like what's the difference between 20 million earned media versus 50 versus hundred, at some point there isn't too much of a difference, right? You'll kind of see and know whether it was a success or not, depending on the sentiment and also how much people are talking about you, how excited people are talking about you. And so while we did set some, like we sort of set some numbers, but really we're like, you know, we're going to know it if it was a bust. And we're going to know it if it was a huge success. And with seeing our download numbers, seeing our engagement numbers, seeing how people, uh, writers and re- article reviewers and reporters were writing about the ad, especially for a first time advertiser, I think we completely hit it out of the park. We were all like internally, we were all super excited about what we produced, which is um a lot harder than you think because you know not everyone is a fan of rap music. But we were able to create something that even the fans of rap music didn't like. They loved it, right? And so those were kind of the two things that we we kept uh, tabs on in terms of measuring success. And by those two measures, we hit it out of the park.
0: I, I love that, and I love that you mentioned the the team aspect to this. And like, this is you know, it's great if it's fun. It's great if it if it you know makes the team you know, push their comfort zone and work on something that's really big and the world will see. And there's a lot of value in that too. And it makes the smaller campaign seem a lot more stressful, I'm sure as well.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Um, You know, and we ended up with, I forget the exact numbers, but I want to say it was like 62 million in earned media. We had, you know, more than four or 500 like media outlets globally who covered it. And let me see. Um, we saw like a 1,400% increase in new customers. So, you know, these numbers weren't light either. It wasn't like a fluffy, like, hey, we did it exercise. But there were real tangible numbers backing up um, the success of the campaign as well.
0: Well, I think one of the things that, you know, people get critiqued a lot for for Super Bowl ads for is that they don't capture the value, but you have a, a machine and an engine, a demand gen engine, as we say, that actually captures the value through your website, through the way that that you can you know surprise and de- delight your customers, and you know are all about accelerating word of mouth. So it seems like it was a great fit. I'm curious, like you know, how do you view the website? What was that like, uh, you know, from a traffic perspective and, and lead flow perspective? Just not necessarily for this campaign, but in general as well.
2: I think that for us, our you know, our website is really a sales and marketing tool, right, as most websites are. And so uh, what we try to do is distill the value in of our product um, as succinctly as we can. And But I think most of our experiences don't rely on the website, so to speak. And so they're great when, um, you know, closer to... Lower in the funnel when you know we'll do things like targeted ads and SEM and SEO and all these things, because there are people at some point in the buyer journey who are searching for Expensify, who are looking for a couple of additional details, you know, whether it's on pricing or functionality, to decide whether or not they want to close and how so. And so we'll use the site to engage from like a chat perspective and to keep that conversation going. But ultimately, we do a lot of our Ironically, for a SaaS product, we do a lot of our engagement, you know, in our community, which is a subset. I think it's uh, community.expensify.com. And we have a lot of conversations there. And we've actually seen that people tend to engage a lot more there because there are more direct questions. You know, you can it's a user-led forum where they can help each other out, answer each other's questions, and also get specific, you know any specific questions that they have can get answered there. And so we've actually seen that as a pretty, a relatively successful sales tool in and of itself as well.
0: Is there something that you've been doing or you've done in the past that was a tactics that wasn't really working or or you see fading away? I think
2: something that we saw wasn't working was early on when we were focusing on uh, like specific niches. We experimented with, uh, publishing, you know, in trade publications, whether that was as an advertorial advertisement or as editorial. So every combination of that word. And, um, what we found is that that is not where people are getting their information from. I think whether it's the print publication or online. Right. And so, There's a specific time and place in terms of PR for those publications and making sure it's coming more from a news perspective. But what we've realized is from a thought leadership perspective, those are not the most effective ways in terms of how to spend money and how to get and generate leads and generate interest. And so that's something that we've largely stopped doing after the initial experimentation phase.
0: Let's get to our next segment, the dust up. Uh Uh-oh. Here comes Trello.
2: You may have heard that there was a dust-up involving yours truly. And now we've got a wild scrum with fights breaking out all over the place. And it is getting really ugly. Because we've got punches and
0: kicks. The dust-up is where we talk about healthy tension. Whether that's with your board, your sales teams, your competitor, or really anyone else. Do you have a famous dust-up in your background, Joni?
2: Um, I don't know about famous, but... I think one thing that is kind of a funny dustup, retro—I uh, mean, during too, but retrospectively in particular—is so uh, around their Super Bowl campaign on the day of the that Sunday when you know right before kickoff, we actually got this email from a CEO of another expense management company that was like super sarcastic um, and somewhat passive aggressive in nature about how we, you know, blew it and we wasted our money and we didn't know our audience. He was like super incredulous that we had a rapper as the focal point and star of it. Uh, There's just all this, all this, um, you know, kind of passive aggressive, like, well, good job, but also not really. And so it was really funny because, you know, here we are, you know, we've, Gotten our entire team together, we flew everyone out from all our different offices around the world so that we can all celebrate this moment that we were all super excited about. And to get this kind of email was incredibly memorable because our first thought was like, wow, is he okay? Like, what, what's happening here? You know? Um, it's one thing to have those thoughts on your own, but then to send it out <laughs> to that person is kind of insane, right? And so it just kind of reiterated to us as like, wow, like. Other people in the space don't really understand what we're doing and they don't, they're approaching this business from a very old school perspective of focusing on the enterprise, focusing on the person buying the product. And because otherwise, how can you not understand why we're, you know, advertising to all the potential users and employees of companies where, you know, everybody, people all work, whether it's for themselves or other companies. And so... You know, that makes sense. And it just kind of reiterated this idea of like um we approach our customers very differently, and it's fundamentally different than the traditional enterprise model. And it kind of just reminded us of this like lack of forward momentum in the industry, which if anything, it really like fired us up and made us even more excited about what we created because we're creating something not only do we think our audience would like, but we are our audience, right? We are all individuals who are somewhat tax tech savvy. And we are all employees of a company who, you know, might move on to other companies and so on. And so um, we're really the ones like harnessing this idea of um, empowering the individual to make the choices that they want in order to do their job successfully. And so now, I mean, it's only been a year and a half later, but you see a lot of companies and brands employing rappers and hip hop artists and TikTok artists, whoever, they're not really artists, but TikTok stars, uh, influencers to um, be in their commercials and to represent the brand. Because I think there is a shift or trend in people understanding that, you know, millennials and Gen Z are the people that are super savvy, are the ones who are, you know, starting to enter the workforce and they'll be the ones to possibly make or break your business in the long term. So yeah, like, you know, it wasn't a dust up in the classic sense. Like there was no engagement beyond that email, but it was just a super interesting move from um, someone else that kind of reinforced we're doing all right. We're, we're doing okay. You know?
0: Yeah. That is, that's super funny and weird and also pretty lame uh, <laughs> that uh, that he did that. That's pretty bizarre. Uh, lighten up buddy. Um,
2: (laughs) yeah, it was like a weird breakup email, honestly, but you know, we were never together.
0: Yeah. Great story. Okay. Let's get into our quick hits. These are quick questions, quick answers, just like conversational marketing with qualified.com qualified prospects are on your website right now and you can talk to them quickly with qualified.com it's quick and easy, just like these questions. Go to qualified.com to learn more. Quick questions. Joni, are you ready?
2: Yeah, I am.
0: Number one. Do you pick up a habit during shelter in place?
2: Yes. I started actually uh running, which might be a popular thing, but I'm not really sure. But uh basically, you know, stuck in at home all the time and I realized that I will do anything to go outside. And so I just naturally started um, I was like, well, walking is okay, but what if I just amp this up a little and started running? And so um, I've never been a runner or someone who works out, but here I am, a runner in quarantine.
0: <laughs> Do you have a book or a podcast that you've been loving recently?
2: Yeah. So I use podcasts as like an escape almost. Uh, so I don't know if this is the best answer. But, um, <laughs> but uh, there is this podcast that I love called Who Weekly. It's just a podcast about celebrity, celebrity culture. And it's just a really nice way to unplug when there's a lot of things going on in this world. And it is just, you know, the hosts are funny and engaging. So if you're not really into that sort of thing, it might not be your thing. But um, Another one that I really like is Revisionist History by Malcolm Gladwell, if we want to go a little bit more of the serious route, because he just has a really fascinating way of telling stories and combining that with, you know, action, almost like actionable insights.
0: Yeah, gotta love, uh, gotta love Revisionist History. What would be your best advice for a marketing leader trying to figure out demand gen strategy for the first time?
2: I think my advice would be get your hands dirty. You know, you can't really know how things will work unless you experience it for yourself. And so even if you're going to hire the best demand gen professional out there um, and build a team around that, it's always important to know exactly what they're doing and understand what the dynamics are at play so that you can also form your own opinion about the strategy and direction of your demand gen strategy.
0: Well, Joni, that's it. That's all we got for today. Any, uh, any final thoughts, anything to plug?
2: I would say that if you, you know, need some help in expense management and you want to reduce the number of hours from you know however many hours you currently spend on expense down to just a couple of taps each day, less than an hour a month, then I would highly suggest checking out Expensify. We also have like a corporate card to help, you know, auto reconcile all of those expenses, and so that really you can get your time back. You can focus on what's important and do the things that you love instead of, you know, wasting time on on expensing or on, on trying to get your money back.
0: Joni, you're the best. Thanks so much for joining, and uh, we'll talk soon.
2: Thanks so much, Ian. Appreciate it.
0: ManGen Visionaries is brought to you by our friends at
1: Qualified.com, a conversational marketing company that's on a mission to transform the way B2B companies sell. Go to Qualified.com to learn more.